Richmond, Virginia, the capital thrived during the war, then starved, then burned. But in the North, there was such abundance that the construction of the capital didn't stop even during the war. Washington grew, then got fatter, then glowed with promise. The gaunt Jefferson Davis fled his capital, the bearded Lincoln was assassinated in his. No bombs fell on the northern cities or the rural farms. Despite that, the devastation that was evident was in the maiming of its children limping back from war. These were the times that these people lived in, worked in, died in. Lawrence, the taller of the two, and Burton, his former sergeant, rode a buckboard up the dusty Connecticut road toward a two-story clapboard farmhouse. The dust made them bury their chins in their chests. Lawrence grabbed at the July 20th, 1865 copy of the Hartford Current from under the seat to cover his face. It was slippery in his hands, and he smiled at the headline. The headline read, Current Extra, Glorious News, The End of the War. Let the people rejoice. Lawrence had the reins and snapped them over the horse's rump. It trotted faster up the rise. Whoa, Lawrence shouted. A minute later he pulled back on the reins, then placed the reins on his lap while he opened and closed his fingers to get the circulation back in them. He stopped the buckboard at the crest of the hill, directly in front of a white two-story clapboard farmhouse with green shutters. Horse neighed, stamped its hoof. Three Boston pine rocking chairs bowed to them from the porch while they rocked in the summer wind. "'Isn't it beautiful?' he asked as he spread out his arms in front of himself, followed by him tightly grabbing the seat. "'Wait here, I'll be right back,' Lawrence said. He slowly let himself down with a painful groan, while the seat squeaked as he got off. He favored his right foot, dragging his left a little and grimacing with pain as he walked toward the back of the house and in the direction of the summer kitchen. Walking toward the house, he smiled as he glanced to his left. There, under the oak tree, was the root cellar where Abigail and he spent many hours reading and talking about the Greek heroes in the Iliad. It was built into the ground with a heavy slatted wooden door at the entrance. Brambles had grown up over the roof. Grapevines wrapped themselves around the white picket fence that surrounded the little building. He was thirteen then, and Abigail was only nine. At three o'clock the sun blazed through the humid New England air making the sweat drip down from under his union cap. When he reached the kitchen door, he saw Abigail pick up a brown-crusted mince pie with her white apron. She had dark shoulder-length hair parted in the middle and wore a crinoline bell-shaped dress with loose frilled sleeves to the wrist. He hadn't seen his stepsister in a dress in a long time, so he stared at the petite young lady and at that instant didn't recognize her. The last time he saw her, before he left for the army, She was only thirteen, and he was eighteen. She turned toward the door and screamed, letting go of the pie, so it crashed all over the wooden floor with the metal pie plate echoing through the kitchen. "'I'm sorry. I didn't mean to frighten you,' he said. He realized that he was standing at attention, but relaxed from his old discipline as soon as she started to talk. "'Yes, can I help you?' She warily walked towards the door, looking down, trying to avoid the pieces of pie smashed all over the wood floor. Her little feet shuffled closer to the stranger. "'Abigail, it's me, Lawrence.' He put his hands under his chin as if he were a young schoolgirl. 
From the expression on her face, Lawrence realized that she wasn't seeing the boy that went to war those many years ago. She was looking at a man that was tempered and hardened by his experiences. Her blue eyes lit up when she recognized who it was, and in an instant threw her arms around his neck. "'Oh, my God! I can't believe it's really you!' she said. He held her close to his chest as her legs dangled just above the floor. Her hair was silky, smooth against his cheek. The last human being he had held close to his chest was a dying soldier, and after a while his heart stopped, but the thump of hers was strong and alive. Tears welled up in his eyes when he thought of the difference. After he let her down, she looked up at him, covering her eyes from the sun. "'We weren't expecting you until tomorrow,' she said. We traveled with a lantern in front of the horse, and by the light of the full moon. Lawrence smelled a vanilla scent emanating from Abigail.